And so, my friends, it is with humility, determination, and boundless confidence in America's promise that I accept your nomination for President of the United States. Friends, delegates, and fellow Americans, I humbly and gratefully accept your nomination for the presidency of the United States. Those are the sounds of Democratic and Republican national conventions of 2016. Conventions represent a major moment in the lead-up to an election because party nominees accept their nominations to be president. In recent years, both parties have turned their conventions from routine business into a made-for-TV show. The rooms are usually full of applause and jam-packed with tens of thousands of delegates and attendees. And starting on Monday, the Democratic and Republican national conventions are kicking off back-to-back. But this year, those conventions, you guessed it, are going to look different. With cases of COVID surging in Florida, the president announcing he is canceling his plans to hold the Republican National Convention in Jacksonville. We can all agree the Democratic National Convention, when it comes to Milwaukee in August, will not look at all what many of us have envisioned it would be. Health officials warn that hosting a crowded indoor convention during the COVID-19 pandemic with cheering and singing isn't safe. So now, convention organizers and party officials are working to make this year's events equally as memorable, even if attendees are joining from their couch. Today, we're going to explain why conventions matter and talk to Democratic and Republican party officials about what the challenges are this year. Help Me Be Me is a podcast all about self-help for people who hate self-help. It's full of practical tools that can be applied to your life immediately, delivered in a way that is caring but direct. Hosted by Sarah May B., a working professional with a passion for solving problems, she's not a therapist, just a happy individual who happens to have lived through a lot of hard stuff. So if you're ready to work on your self-sabotaging habits, soothe some anxiety, or build your confidence, check out Help Me Be Me wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so usually every summer before a presidential election, the Democratic and Republican parties each host their own convention. These are essentially four-day periods where parties officially select the nominees for the presidency. Delegates, party officials, and lawmakers, past and present, all gather for full days of speeches, programming, and fanfare. It's an event that's been going on for centuries starting in the 1830s. And back then, the conventions were kind of like electing the Pope. No one knew what was going to happen. And the convention provided a forum for party members and officials to debate and make their selections. Nowadays, the convention process is less focused on actually choosing a candidate and more focused on selling that candidate to the American public. And the people who drive that process are the delegates. Candidates need delegates, a.k.a. people who rep their state, to win the nomination. They're supposed to represent a state's primary or caucus result at their party's convention. So after you cast your ballot in a caucus or primary, the results are translated into delegates. And then those delegates hit the road and head to the convention to vote for the nominee. 
And this year, both President Trump and former Vice President Biden already have the delegates they need to be nominated. So now, over the next two weeks, they'll go from being the presumptive nominees from their parties to be confirmed as the official nominees once the delegates formally vote. Think of recent conventions like The Bachelor. Most people read the spoilers and know what's going to happen, so the finale doesn't come as a shock. But that doesn't mean they're not dramatic. Conventions have been at the center of some big moments in U.S. history. The demonstrators did get into the lobby of the Hilton Hotel, and the National Guard was called. We do not see like at the Democratic Convention in 1968, which is known as the most violent and chaotic convention in history. 1968 was a turbulent year in the U.S. because of the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., and protests against the Vietnam War were escalating. So tens of thousands of people gathered outside the convention to demonstrate, and those protests turned bloody. At conventions, nominees also create and share their campaign platforms with the public, which hasn't always gone smoothly. Here was then-Vice President George H.W. Bush in 1988. Read my lips. No new taxes. That promise may have helped him win the presidency, but it also made him the subject of a few Saturday Night Live spoofs. Because ultimately, President Bush did raise taxes as part of a bipartisan compromise. The conventions have also led to some major milestones, like this one in 1984. Ladies and gentlemen of the convention, my name is Geraldine Ferraro. That's when Geraldine Ferraro was selected as Walter Mondale's VP and became the first woman on a major party ticket. Conventions have also made history by introducing up-and-coming stars in different parties. Hope in the face of difficulty, hope in the face of uncertainty, the audacity of hope. Like in 2004, when then-Senate candidate Barack Obama gave a speech at the convention that catapulted him into the national spotlight. Or in 2008... I love those hockey moms. You know, they say the difference between a hockey mom and a pit bull? Lipstick. When then-Governor of Alaska Sarah Palin was introduced to the rest of the country and became a household name, after John McCain chose her as his running mate. So conventions are typically a time filled with excitement, lots of speeches, and full days of programming. But like we said, this year will be a lot different. My name is Sochi Hinojosa. I am Senior Advisor and Communications Director at the Democratic National Committee. So the Democratic Party's convention was originally planned to take place back in July in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. According to the organizers, it was estimated that the DNC would bring 50,000 visitors and have an economic impact of $200 million for Wisconsin. But then, COVID-19. With cases sharply increasing around the U.S. in the last few months, plus concerns from public health officials, the DNC confirmed just last week that it would be going virtual. Meaning, this year will be the very first virtual national political conventions in U.S. history. 
So just last week, we announced that we have asked our speakers not to travel to Milwaukee, given that the pandemic continues to worsen, and we don't believe that it is safe to do so. And so we've been talking to healthcare professionals um, and experts, and the advice that they have given us is that um, this, this pandemic is only getting worse and that we should do everything we can to keep people safe. So we have asked people not to travel. Rather than four full days of programming, each night the DNC will showcase two hours of speeches. But even though the timing is limited, there's still a big list of speakers already announced for each night. The list of speakers who will be joining virtually includes several leaders, past and present, from the Democratic Party. Former President and First Lady Barack and Michelle Obama, former President Bill Clinton and former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer. There will also be a lot of familiar former presidential candidate faces to look out for, like Senators Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar, Cory Booker, and former South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg. And Biden's VP pick just announced this week, California Senator Kamala Harris. We'll have more on her later. So if you've recently taken your meetings in sweats on the couch, you might think that going virtual would mean that things would be a lot easier. But that's not exactly the case here. One of the things the DNC is planning to do is to broadcast video from every single U.S. state and territory as delegates cast their official votes. And they're calling it the Roll Call Across America because conventions are about more than just the nominees. So every convention is about not only bringing the party together and conducting business, like nominating your presidential nominee and your vice presidential nominee, but it is also making sure that you are displaying your values and and ensuring that the voters understand the contrast between your nominee and the Republican. And so this year, what we will be doing is lifting up the values that unite us as a country, especially given that we are in this pandemic, especially given all everything that our country has gone through and also nominate Joe Biden. That's the other big change this year. Due to concerns over the pandemic, Joe Biden won't be making his acceptance speech before a cheering crowd. Instead, he'll be doing it from his home state of Delaware. And taking place the following week, right on the heels of the DNC, will be the Republican National Convention. The RNC is also changing up its strategy. At this point, the final program details for the RNC are still TBD. But what we do know is that several hundred Republican delegates are expected to still meet in Charlotte, North Carolina, as planned to vote to officially re-nominate President Trump and Vice President Mike Pence. And you might be thinking, okay, if these conventions are all about selecting the party's nominee and we already know who that's going to be, then what's the point? The average American sees the convention in prime time, and it's really glitzy, and it's loud, and it's energetic, and it's a great show. That's Cassie Smedley. She's the deputy communications director for the Republican National Committee. But there's a business to be conducted in every convention, and that's really the purpose of everybody getting together, whether it's putting together the platform for the party or, of course, actually nominating the president and vice presidential candidates for your party, um, even if they're the incumbent. So that's really the key part of why they exist. And then everything else is just icing on top of the cake. It is historically the jumping off point for their reelection. Now those things happen way earlier than the convention, but this is their moment to speak. 
to the American people and to put their ideas for the next four years on prime time. And the RNC has been on a bit of a journey before finding solid footing. At first, the convention was initially planned to happen in Charlotte. But when North Carolina's governor pushed back due to COVID-19 concerns, which could have limited attendance, suddenly the RNC had to pivot. Here's President Trump back in May. We have a governor that doesn't want to open up the state. And we have a date of August, in the end of August. And we have to know before we spend millions and millions of dollars on an arena to make it magnificent for the convention, And we have tremendous people. I mean, the economic development consequences are tremendous for the state. North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper responded during his own press briefing later that evening. I will say that it's okay for political conventions to be political, but pandemic response cannot be. Then, a few weeks after that, the RNC announced that most of the major convention events would be moving to Jacksonville, Florida. But then about a month ago, Florida broke the national record of new reported cases of COVID-19 in a single day, topping out at 15,300. So President Trump did another about-face and canceled the Jacksonville events. But the events planned to take place in Charlotte would still remain. Here he is at the end of July. I looked at my team and I said, the timing for this event is not right. It's just not right with what's happened recently, the flare-up in Florida. To have a big convention, it's not the right time. So for the events in Charlotte, RNC organizers are prioritizing safety for all attendees, vendors, and the community. Protocols for attendees include an at-home COVID-19 test prior to arriving in Charlotte and being required to wear a mask during the event. They'll also have special badges equipped with technology to help with contact tracing. The idea is that if someone tests positive for COVID-19, officials will know who they've been in contact with and for how long. And while delegates are planning to meet in the Charlotte Convention Center to formally re-nominate President Trump, it won't be all of them. Our total number of delegates is 2,550, and we're going to have 336. The good news is we'll have six people represented from every state and territory, so everyone gets the same amount, and we will be able to have in-person representation from every state and territory. That was really important to the chairwoman and the president and the committee. So far, it has not been confirmed where President Trump will be to give his speech and accept his party's nomination. Even though there are more details yet to be unveiled, Smedley highlights a few things for viewers to look out for and take away from this year's conventions. I think what's important to take and assess for yourself and to listen between the two conventions, but certainly the RNC, Republican convention, is who's fighting for you? What's their message for you? How is what the president has done over the last four years in the case that he is making for the next four years? What impact will that have on your life? I would encourage everyone to take advantage of this opportunity to listen to the full speeches. There's going to be a lot of hot takes on Twitter and a lot of headlines coming out of it that People will say, here's what we think you should have heard or you should learn. But take the time to listen to the full speeches, to really get involved and engaged in the themes and um, what you're hearing from all of the voices throughout each day to decipher, again, who's fighting for you, which makes the most sense for you in your life. And I think it's going to be a great show. I think it's going to be highly entertaining and something that you're going to look forward to tuning into every night. And we can't wait to bring it to you. So what's the skim? 
Conventions are a major political moment in the lead-up to a presidential election. They've been around since the 1830s, so they do tend to make a bit of history. What used to be the routine business of delegates voting for their party nominees has now become primetime entertainment ripe for some iconic moments. Think celebrity surprise appearances, or even a musical montage to an oh-so-catchy tune. This is our fight song, hey, take back my life. You get the idea. But the COVID-19 pandemic has meant that this year's conventions will be making a different kind of history. For the DNC, that means going virtual with two hours of daily televised programming across four days. For the RNC, it also means going virtual, but with a limited number of delegates meeting in person to make their formal nomination. Even though the events are significantly scaled back, there's still a lot worth watching. Here's Inahosa again from the DNC. I think it is our hope that they see the values of the Democratic Party and see Joe Biden's values. And those values uh, align with their values. I think that these are very trying times for our country right now, whether it is the pandemic, whether it is the economic impact that you're seeing all across the country because of the response of the pandemic. And to show leadership and Joe Biden's leadership on how he would deal with this pandemic, how he would keep our country safe. I think that this convention and this ticket will be historic. We will have hopefully have our first woman vice president. And I think that this convention will showcase the importance of women and the importance that women play in the Democratic Party, but also our country. Smedley says that the accessibility of a virtual convention is really an opportunity. As much as 2020 has been very unexpected for everyone, especially because of COVID and we're all in a state of uncertainty with our own lives, many of us, that this is an opportunity that we may not have had otherwise because the convention is being made available to us in more ways than really ever before. And to take advantage of that, to take advantage of the convenience of being able to watch the speeches and hear from so many voices, so many real Americans about what's happening in our country, the way forward for our country, and who are the best leaders to continue to carry us forward for the next four years. And of course, we think based on the success of the past four years that Donald Trump and Vice President Pence are the two men for that job. The Democratic National Convention begins next week on Monday, August 17th through Thursday, August 20th from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern. You can tune in on all major television networks, social media platforms, streaming services, and directly at demconvention.com. The Republican National Convention begins the following week on Monday, August 24th through Thursday, August 27th. For more details and content, you can follow at GOP on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and YouTube. If every millennial voted, we could decide the election. For all the tools and information you need to know, from how to vote, to checking your registration, or knowing your voting options, The Skim has you covered at theskim.com slash 2020. On Wednesday, the presumptive Democratic presidential nominee, Joe Biden, tweeted out a campaign video. It shows him at a desk all right. on a very important call. Hi, 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 sorry to keep you. That's all right. You ready to go to work? Oh my God, I'm so ready to go to work. The woman whose voice you heard there, who is so ready to go to work, is California Senator Kamala Harris. 
aka the Democratic Party's presumptive vice presidential nominee, and the first black woman and first person of South Asian descent ever on a major party's presidential ticket. Before breaking through that barrier this week, Harris had kicked through many more. The daughter of an Indian-born mother and Jamaican-born father, Harris was California's first black attorney general, and also the state's first female AG. Later, she became the first woman of South Asian descent elected to the United States Senate. Once elected to the U.S. Senate in 2016, she made a name for herself on the Senate Judiciary Committee, holding witnesses to account. Everyone from Supreme Court nominees to the former Attorney General of the United States. I don't believe I had any conversation with Russian businessmen or Russian nationals. Are you aware Although of any communication? A lot of people were at the convention. It's conceivable that somebody sir, sir, came I up have to me. Just a few well, you let me qualify it. If, okay. if I don't qualify it, you'll accuse me of lying. So I need to be correct as best I can. I do want you to be honest. I'm not able to uh, be rushed this fast. It makes me nervous. During her own run for president, she demonstrated that same skill, coming up against none other than the candidate who is now her running mate. In a debate last summer, she criticized Biden for saying that during his time in the Senate, he was able to work with segregationists. She also criticized him for not fully supporting policies to integrate schools back in the 1970s, like busing black kids to majority white schools. Here's the clip from NBC News. I was part of the second class to integrate Berkeley, California public schools almost two decades after Brown v. Board of Education. Because your city council made that decision. It was a so local decision. So that's where the federal government must step the, in. The that's why we have the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act. That's why we need to pass Keep in mind, this was a pretty huge moment in the Democratic primary and put the two campaigns at significant odds for the rest of the primary. But that ultimately didn't stop Biden from picking Harris from among the long list of female VP candidates he promised he would consider. One of the reasons I chose Kamala is because we both believe that we can define America simply in one word, possibilities. That was Biden officially introducing Harris together in person on Wednesday, staying socially distant, of course which is just one of the unprecedented dynamics to look out for throughout the rest of the campaign. The other is seeing how the addition of Harris to the ticket will impact the way people vote. She's often described as a moderate and has gotten some criticism for her record on criminal justice issues when she was California's attorney general. For more on that, check out the Daily Skim newsletter from Wednesday. Lately though, Harris has been speaking out a lot about systemic racism in law enforcement and has leaned left in other areas, pitching robust plans for protecting the right to an abortion, as well as six months of maternity leave. TBD on whether those ideas will find their way to the top of the Biden-Harris campaign platform. Meanwhile, on the Republican side of things, President Trump reaffirmed his VP decision back in November on Fox & Friends. Mike Pence is a great vice president. He's our man, 100%. But now, with Harris officially on the Democratic ticket, Biden's campaign has seen a surge in momentum. Within the first 24 hours of announcing Harris as his VP, Biden said his campaign raised $26 million. And then next week, she'll officially introduce herself to the rest of America at the Democratic convention. Right now, she's scheduled to speak on Thursday night. Joe, I'm so proud to stand with you. And I do so mindful of all the heroic and ambitious women before me whose sacrifice, determination, 
and resilience makes my presence here today even possible. Thanks for listening to Skim This. This podcast was skimmed by Alex Carr, Julia Nutter, and Marion Lozano. And I'm your host, Justine Davey. We'll be back in your feed again next Friday. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. For more Skim and to sign up for our daily newsletter, head on over to theskim.com. 